welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we'll be recapping the top 10 traits for world-class customer experience. Top 10 traits. It's, it's felt really good going through the top 10 traits. It's hmm. even as to a reminder of it is not easy delivering world-class customer satisfaction. I think the clue is probably in the title there. Um, and there's so few people do it. But the other thing I really like about it is it is doable. It is mm. achievable if you do these these 10 things or, or some of these 10 things. Absolutely, yeah. They, everyone could be better at all of them, but also everyone can take some steps towards each of them. Absolutely, absolutely. Shall we do a, a little recap of what the mm, top yeah, 10 are? Really briefly, obviously, if people want to listen in a bit more detail, there's a whole podcast on each of them. So number one, we started with um, senior management's commitment. You know, what matters to the boss tends to get done. What doesn't matter to the boss tends to not get done. Really needs to matter to the to the boss to deliver. Number two was understanding perception as reality, because it's what customers think that drives their behavior, what they're telling other people. Uh, and that's what you need to address, really, not, not whether or not you're ticking some box on an SLA. Yeah. Number three was the paralysis by analysis causing inaction. It's difficult enough to drive actions, but you don't want to get into that mire of over over analyzing, um, looking into the data time and time and time and time again to try and find that magic magic bullet. That that is a a danger, particularly in the research world we operate in. Number four, focus on the priorities for improvement, and really that's a related point. With the best of intentions, many companies run off trying to do too much, and it dilutes their efforts. They don't make the big splash, customers don't notice they've made changes, and therefore they often don't really get the benefit they should. Yeah, and five, five dovetails really nicely into that. The priorities for improvement, two or three things. Number five is implement actions and do it quickly. You have to do something as a result of this. Not only do you have to do something, you have to tell people about it. So number six is strong communication to all levels of staff about customer needs, what they want and what you're doing about it making it sound more difficult as we go through them one at a time to achieve. But I'm sure everyone can see how they're sort of linked, how they're linked together. Having told people about it, make sure bonuses and targets are linked to it to make sure we keep employees motivated and focused. And of course, there's a lot of symbolism in that linking back to the senior management commitment. Number eight, make external and internal suppliers responsible for delivering customer, customer satisfaction. Uh, we had quite an interesting chat about that one in, in that episode. I enjoyed that episode. Uh, but yeah, it, it's again, not just aligning targets to it, but making sure that it's the customer satisfaction is the main KPI for suppliers. It's the main thing they're focused on um, so that you don't have competing priorities. Number nine, I quite like this about having the having a robust process for handling problems because Obviously, for a lot of years, been a thing. You know, a problem is a gift. You can find out things about it. But I think when you think, when you actually analyse what a problem is, it's a customer giving you some real feedback. Don't have to pay them like you have to pay as research companies. You're getting real feedback that's very specific and very actionable. And I think if you see it as customer feedback that's specific and actionable, and it's not necessarily just a, a problem, it's negative. Certainly the people who are really sort of good, good at world-class customer satisfaction see it in, in that perspective. And finally, number 10, absolutely, uh, last but not least, impactful communication to customers using the you said, we did mantra. 
So that's about making sure A, customers notice what you're doing. Sometimes it is about directly managing perceptions uh, and a lot of it is making sure you link the changes you've made back to the fact that the survey happened. So you're showing customers that their feedback makes a difference. So list of 10 there, Stephen. I think pretty sure when we did all the episodes, we actually said, I think this one's the most important <laughs> one. I think this one's the most important one. So let's do a bit of forced trade off if we had to um, nail our color to the masts, um, recognizing that they all are important. But if there was one that you had to pick. I, I think for me, it's got to be senior management commitment, um, really because it, it underpins all the others. I think it's it's very difficult to get the, the commitment from the business that you need, the, the consistent focus that you need, the resources that you need to do any of the other nine well, unless you've got senior management commitment. So yeah, for me, that, that's, that really underpins it all. Um, and I think probably the, all senior managers say they're committed to the customer experience. So it's, it's, <laughs> it is, the key to it, I think, is the word commitment and how genuine and deep that is. Yeah. Commitments, as a word, is banded around quite often and not really commitment. Perhaps interested a little bit and know it's a good idea sometimes is what it translates to. I mean, commitment is an absolute. It, 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 it is an absolute. Particularly as I think I see where you're coming from because most of the, everything on the list is about change. Mm. And that needs, and that's challenged and that needs new things doing or, or resources or time or effort or taking people out of comfort zones. All all things that are difficult so without that senior management commitment i can totally see that have you got a couple of examples where you you see it really well how it comes across in the organization something you'd observe and say hey, you know what these guys have senior management commitment because i see i think it's it's really when people put their sort of money where their mouth is either with their personal commitment of time I think that's yeah. a big indicator of, you know, if director level people are committing time one yeah. way or another to, to the customer experience, that shows that they value it. Uh, and the other one is you know, literal money. Uh, so either investment or quite often in terms of their prioritizing. So you know, we talked about managing external suppliers, for example. If people genuinely say, do you know what, we're going to reward you based on what customers think of the service you're providing for us, not on whether you're ticking, uh, you know, some efficiency saving cost box. That shows to me, actually, we are prioritizing the customer here, not cost. Yeah, particularly time, isn't it? And I've seen some great examples when we've been on roadshows presenting out sets of results. I can think of you know a really big company in Ireland who's done this really well with this. The level of the guy who came to see the same presentation because mm -hmm. he wanted to top and tail it and show. You just know if he's putting those hours in, boy, he's, it's going to work its way yeah. through. I've thought of another way of looking at this, actually, now we're talking about that. Because in terms of senior management, if you think which could you get away with it with it not being there, you'd struggle if you didn't have senior management commitments. Some of the others you could get away with the yeah. having the complaint system that perhaps wasn't robust, but senior management commitment and you can't get away one with. One of the challenges we sometimes get with, with that um, item on the list is, well, okay, I don't think my senior managers, I don't think you know my chief exec is genuinely committed. What do I do about it? And it's a hard question to answer. Yeah. I think the, 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 
the only suggestion is, well, you need to try and make them committed. <laughs> and if that means that they only respond to, you know, cold, hard pound signs, then we've got to Absolutely. show them that customer experience Absolutely. will result yeah. in cold, hard pound signs. Yeah. Um, it's not always an easy uh, job to do that, but it, that's the only angle of attack yeah. you've then got. I sometimes think it's a bit of a false criticism because it's easy to say, oh, if they had, in, they should be doing this, they should be doing that. But there isn't infinite time or resource. So you have to get it on their radar, like you say, whether it's pounds or time. But I tend to think you're always arguing a very strong case because you are arguing to improve customer satisfaction, which everyone will nod to. <laughs> and most people see it's a really successful way of doing it making a business or an organization more successful so i think it's really getting access to that person and perhaps taking them through little steps one by one and building the case up or hey let's start off by doing this easy quick win small change hey mm -hmm. customers a bit more happy why don't we do some more of this yeah the, the thing i always look for is the win-wins the things that and, and they're always there uh, yeah. in almost any uh, experience I've, I've ever looked at where we can say this will make customers happier and it will save us money at the same time and then we'll see what other benefits we may get in terms of you know happier customers bringing us more revenue in the future but if you can find the things that are actually inefficient and annoying to customers and all businesses have them then no one's got any objection to those because because it, it wins on both yeah. counts i think also some of the senior management the best senior management commitment i've seen is you don't need to be hands-on for it. As long as people know that, that that's what the main person wants. I'm thinking of a really good organization where without a shadow of a doubt, that's what it's all about. It's all about driving up that net promoter score. Everyone knows that. But then let's people get on about it. And because the spectra of knowing he's behind it mm. helps do it and it just motivates everyone that way. It's a really clear direction. It, you know, it no doubt comes down to leadership styles and things like that. Yeah. Okay, that's probably enough on senior management commitment. What's what? What do you think is the most important? <laughs> um, well, I'm now going to have to do that stress test of seeing which one couldn't you manage without. It's an old one, but I think perception is reality. Is um, it's probably one that I would have up there right to the top for a couple of reasons. I think the danger of it is it's a well-known phrase. Every time we say it, everyone nods their heads, it's well known, but to actually come from that and believe it and to accept it, mm. often when it's not the truth, takes um, takes some, trying to think of the word here, some mental gumption to accept that actually that's what the customer's seeing, they are not making that up about how they feel, we can say they're wrong because I did do X, Y, and Z, but having that strength to say, okay, but that's what they see and feel. Why do they see and feel that? Because I know the truth is different to that. So having that, it's nearly like taking the third step. You hear it, mm. you accept it, and then you investigate it is three quite big steps mentally. I agree. Yeah, and I think there's definitely... <laughs> it, there are still quite a lot of people in businesses who get stuck at the first level of saying that's not true yeah 
And it's not true. The customer, <laughs> well, sometimes it is, oh, sometimes it's not. We're going to argue about truth here. <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, you know, a lot of people in businesses will, will reject the customer's view on the basis that we know it's not true because it conflicts with our version of events. And there, you still find that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not usually in customer experience roles, but, but elsewhere in the business, you, yeah. you certainly do find that. Yeah. And I think one of the things when we do our own customer survey, one of the benefits we get out of when we ask our clients is it does remind you of that pain when someone says something about you or your work that isn't true. Mm. It does hurt and it is annoying. Yeah. You've just got to deal with that and then the next step. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think it's a really important point that, that it's not about acceptance. It's not about rolling your eyes and saying customers think this. Uh, that's going to affect their behaviour. You know, it, it's about saying it's our fault. The customer thinks that, even if it's not strictly true yeah. or strictly what happened, it is still our responsibility to address that. And, and that, kind of, to me, that's a real sign of kind of customer experience maturity. Yeah. Whether or not the customer pressed the wrong button, did the wrong thing, yeah. that's our fault because we made it too easy for them to make a mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know that that kind of maturity of accepting pretty much yeah. anything the customer does is our fault yeah. or our responsibility at least it is what, what gets you i think from being quite good to really really good yeah. at customer experience think of instruction manuals whether it for, it's for a mobile phone or furniture building you know over the last what 10 years they've suddenly realized actually they could do with making the instructions really easy to read and useful because actually they only lose it if this wonderful bit of furniture isn't put together because it's someone highly incompetent like myself, yes, I lose, but so do they. <laughs> so taking the customer on that journey and saying, actually, here's some really simple instructions um, is a really sort of, you know, a you know, good example of that. 10 things on that list. How many do you think you need to really be up there? Top quartile scoring? Do you need 10 <laughs> out of 10 or just uh, major on I mean, one? No one's 100% at all 10, are they? Um, I think, you know, as we said at the beginning, everyone should be trying to get better at all 10 of those, frankly. Um, I think there is a kind of logical progression from 1 to 10 to some extent. Um, you, know, the, you know, it starts with focusing, taking action, communicating yeah. internally, getting your suppliers on yeah. board, then communicating out to customers. Yeah. And it, it, I'm sort of thinking on the fly here, as you can probably tell. But uh, I, I, I think it's probably a little bit like that, um, the sort of three-legged stall idea, that yeah. you probably can't be the best in the world at all of those. You probably need to be at least quite good at all of them in order to, to yeah. get to a high level. Yeah, yeah. I'd, um, yeah I'd, I'd, I tend to sort of agree with, with, with that. I mean, one of the things that, that we've introduced recently at, at TLF Research, um, and we call it a customer centricity survey, is actually um, just to score yourself against those 10. Mm. Use a 1 to 10 scale. I did it really, it was a really interesting discussion in a workshop. I got people just to score their own organisation. They're all from the same organisation. They were one cloud. Give themselves a score. And it wasn't so much the score, it was the conversation, because there was certain ones of the 10 where people go to seven, eight, nine, all very similar scoring. But there was a couple where people had very different views of it. Mm. And at the end of the conversation, there was definitely more of a consensus, which is a better starting place than, 
you thinking we're really good at that and me thinking we're really bad at it. You know, the, that middle ground was, was found and it was a very intelligent, well, so actually, so we're probably about here, a bit better than I thought, I see it now. And, yeah. and I thought that was a really good, a really good use of it. Um, I'm allowed to do a bit of selling about saying contact us if you want to do a yeah, customer centric. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, all, all 15 of our listeners will be <laughs> knocking at the door. Oh, now. the pound notes will be rolling in, all the pound coins now. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, if you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Uh, and if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com. Thank you very much for listening to all the top 10 traits and hopefully this recap has given you a little bit of a summary as to, to where to go with this. Good luck with improving your customer satisfaction. Thank you very much.